Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Tom Nightingale, who's CEO at AFS Logistics, and Martin Vreimerin, who is CEO and co-founder at MPO. And today we're going to talk about enabling assurance of supply in the global marketplace. So for a long time, companies have been redesigning the supply chain networks and, and processes to become more demand-driven. Uh, but with the disruptions of the past two years, however, many companies are now becoming more supply-driven. That is, their manufacturing and their sales and promotion plans are being driven more by what parts or inventory they have on hand instead of by you know, customer demand. In fact, in a survey that we conducted with our Indago supply chain research communities, which are uh, supply chain logistics executives for manufacturing, retail, and distribution companies, 58% uh, of them um, of the respondents said that they were becoming more supply driven in response to current market conditions and, and challenges. So in short, um, enabling assurance of supply is uh, as critical as ever. So what are the main challenges? How are logistics service providers helping companies navigate through this challenge? And, you know, how is technology helping as well? So those are the main, you know, topics and questions we're going to discuss in today's episode. And it's great to have Tom and and Martin on the program to share their insights and advice on this topic. So Tom, Martin, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, uh, Adrian. It's a pleasure to be with you uh, and discuss this uh, fascinating topic today. Great. Well, Tom, uh, you, you know, you and I go back, you know, many, many years and, and through your various roles, but now they're at, at AFS Logistics. Um, you know, in case some folks are not familiar with, with the company, uh, before we kind of dive in, uh, to topics here. Why don't you tell us a little bit briefly about AFS Logistics, kind of the types of services you, you offer and, and what kind of clients you serve and so forth? Sure, I'd be delighted to. And it would not be surprising if you're, uh, your, your viewers and listeners were uh, less familiar with AFS. We, we are emerging from 39 years of stealth mode. Um, we, uh, we actually are celebrating our 40th year in business this year. We have about 380 teammates uh, spread across eight locations in the U.S. and Canada. Um, we've completed about 22 acquisitions and have over 1,800 clients, uh, managing $11 billion in freight audit and payment data um, and saving our customers you know, over $180 million a year in total. We really operate across four lines of business. Um, those lines of business are freight audit and payment, as I alluded to, less than truckload, parcel, and our transportation management uh, business unit, which includes uh, our 4PL service, our outsourced managed transportation service, our freight forwarding, and our freight brokerage divisions. Great. So, you know, a lot of diversity there. Uh, I, I love kind of the almost 40-year-old 40 40 uh, startup in stealth mode. Uh, so obviously a, a long history of, of success there serving a, a lot of uh, different clients. Um, so, so, you know, obviously you have a pulse on what's going on in the market here with the clients that you work with. So well, let's get to the topic now. I mean, when, when it comes to enabling uh, assurance of supply, I mean, what are the main challenges that you're hearing from the companies you work with that, that they're dealing with and, and why is it more difficult uh, or more challenging today? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I, I think the challenges that, that, everybody's facing today are not that different from what they've always been in terms of, you know, supply chain professionals trying to balance cost up against customer satisfaction. But the underlying constraints 
that they have in executing against them and, and assuring their supply chain. That's the part that's really changed forever. And what I mean by that is you know, the price of failure for not satisfying a client has never been higher. You know, buyer expectations are really high and the next supplier is just really a few mouse clicks away. So that really leads, you know, to an ease of change in suppliers that is really ramping up the pressure on the entire supply chain. And you've got, you know, as a result, buyers who are building inventory and that assurance that they need to fill their supply chain doesn't come at a low cost. So as they've responded and they've built up inventory levels, you've got CFOs who are keenly aware of their cost of capital now, and they're looking at inventory for what it is. It's waste and it's tying up capital in their systems and it's tying up monies. And as a result, they're finding it to be really counterproductive. So they're putting more pressure on the supply chain professionals. And those traditional methods that, that we've used forever um, to either you know, defer inventory costs or to you know, use VMI and things like that, um, or consequently build up inventory and have a lot of safety stock, they're just not working anymore. And particularly as supply chains have gotten longer. You know, you, a, a lot of great points there. I mean, you know, we, when you talk about kind of the um, customer satisfaction, customer expectations driving, uh, you know, a lot of this and, and how the cost of failure, if you wish, is, is, is greater than ever. You know, you also have it from a kind of a resilience standpoint. I mean, one of the things that we've heard from the, the research that we've done is, you know, companies are also making, you know, they're looking for additional suppliers, you know, to, to make their supply chains more resilient from a risk management you know, st standpoint. So that that's another kind of, you know, dimension to all of this. But you're right. I mean, I think when you look at, you know, it's always been, okay, what's the cost of holding inventory versus the cost of transportation? What is the lead time of transportation then if you're going to try to be more lean, if you will, if we're going to try to do VMI and all these other strategies, you know, they've all been tossed up in the air, right? Because now there's a lot more unpredictability with lead times because of what's happening in the transportation networks and with just assurance of getting transportation capacity, let's say, and, and the cost of transportation has been go, you know, going up. Um, you've got inflation that's going up. That's been something that, you know, companies haven't really thought about much uh, or had to think about much in incorporating this, but that's another, you know, factor that's coming into play here. So again, I mean, it's a, it, like, like you were, uh, you know, just to add to what you just said, I mean, this is just, uh, you know, some of the, the, the old playbooks uh, just are not going to work uh, anymore, uh, you know, when it comes to this current environment. Um, so, you know, Martin, I mean, you know, a lot of times people look to technology as kind of a silver bullet, you know, type of solution to, 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 to all of this. And um, so maybe why don't you, you know, kind of a way to frame this up. I mean, what's been missing historically to, to help address these challenges. And I, I think, yeah, everyone talks about visibility, but is visibility enough too? Yeah, let me elaborate a bit on that. And uh, I subscribe to, uh, to the views Tom just shared, but uh, what we also see is, uh, let's say four trends. So the, the customer is definitely king. You know, you need to delight the customers or they will walk away. Uh, you have a retention problem or, or might not even sell to them. Uh, that, that means like, you know, your, your service level should be actually superior to, to compete in the global market. The second thing is like uh, the competition is global. You can uh, enter into new markets, but others can easily come into yours. Hence, uh, international supply chains, longer supply chains. And then we have also the, the, the effect that companies must network, focus on core activities, uh, partner with others in dynamic settings. 
which also uh, creates a lot of uh, pressure on their uh, ability to be to be agile in, in their networking. And fourth, that you know, uh, my background, uh, the cloud is also disrupting business these days uh, uh, in the business-to-business -business world. Yeah, well, uh, while it did so earlier on in the in the consumer world, it's now also happening in the B2B world. And um, therefore, you know, visibility to come to that is helpful, but it's definitely not enough. You know, visibility is helpful to uh, to deal with the typical uh, typical operational process uncertainties. You think of uh, you know inherent uh, lead time uncertainties or or uh, Otif uncertainties, which are always there, have always been there, and will always be there. But secondly, these days we see more like uh, dynamic networking and uh, dynamic partnerships, uh, different channels, B two B, B two C, direct to consumer, which adds up to the to the complexity and the dynamics of uh, of the challenge in the supply chain. And on top of that, more recently, the more global disruptive global uh, forces like uh, the uh, COVID uh, epidemic and uh, also you know the the recent war and all those things which which are happening. Uh, these days, which augment basically the, the challenges as we have it. Visibility helps a bit, but let's also go into what visibility actually is. Yeah? Uh, oftentimes these days, visibility is uh, understood by, uh, by, by many professionals as uh, real-time transportation visibility. And you know, that's a nice beginning, but it's definitely not the end. Uh, what we see to really, you know, be, become helpful for visibility, you need to augment this into the uh, logistics area. So beyond the pure transportation from A to B, have all the operational and physical admin steps from A to Z in scope. Yeah? And beyond that, that the logistics visibility needs again uh, be extended to the level of supply chain visibility, where demand becomes visible, supply becomes visible, and also you know, what's in between the inventory uh, in rest and, and, and on rest and uh, in transit. And that is, uh, that is quite a challenge. So, so the, real, um, the real, you know, way to uh, to improvement is uh, augmenting the visibility from transport to logistics to supply chain visibility and moving away from what i call passive visibility to active control to be able to act upon what you actually see in the rear mirror, rear mirror. and then it comes to you know uh, controlling the the, the orders uh, purchase orders sales orders transfer orders uh, inventory levels uh, the, the related transportation movements uh, the cost and so on you, know, you, you brought up a good point because I think you're right. I mean, a lot of the, you know, the spotlight, if you will, around visibility over the past, let's say two or three years has been on that, you know, real-time freight visibility, right? Where's where's the truck? Where's the order inside that truck and, and so forth? And then extending that to, you know, ocean and, and, and other modes of transportation. But, you know, a lot of times when you're talking about supply assurance, I mean, there's, there's a lot of inventory, right? That could be sitting in a warehouse, that could be sitting in a yard, that could be sitting at your supplier's doc uh and, and so forth so there's so when it comes to this kind of uh, uh really b being able to truly understand and get a complete picture of of you know if you're trying to balance demand with supply um right now you know you, you really have to have a more total view of visibility of, of supply which it goes beyond just what's in in transit or what's in inside a you know inside a truck and then the other point i think uh you know something that um i think uh, more and more companies are starting to recognize is that visibility is good, but it's not enough. You actually, then what, what are you going to do with the insights that you get from this visibility? Um, you know, how are you going to optimize? How are you going to automate processes? You know, and, and so forth. Um, so, so I think the technology ultimately has to provide that broader visibility, as you alluded to, as well as then provide the mechanisms to actually take some some intelligent action based on what the visibility is, uh, you know, re revealing. 
Um, so Tom, obviously, you know, I'm assuming like all, you know, logistics service providers, technology is a big part of, of uh, your operations, a big part of, of enabling the value you provide for your, for your company, for your clients. Um, so, you know, how are companies such as yourselves, AFS Logistics, you know, helping companies navigate these challenges and, and how are technology partners like MPO and, and others, um, you know, helping you to enable these solutions? Yeah, and it's, this is an interesting scenario because we kind of, we recognized the, the looming nature of this problem. Um, and, and we went out to MP Optics and to a provider that we uh, also uh, have a strong relationship with called Talia and, and devised what we think is a, an industry first solution uh, to this problem with the relationship that we have between uh, the three providers. Um, and our, our 4PL product here is really very different than uh, the, the more classic kind of 4PL or control tower type solution that, that people have become accustomed to in the industry. And, and this one is unique in that we actually saw this inventory buildup problem, this inventory carrying cost problem, this cost of capital problem on the horizon and devise this product anchored around the fact that we will go out and actually purchase the inventory from the manufacturer, placing it very strategically close to the buyer. And by using MP objects systems so that we can get the buyer demand signals and we can integrate all of those networks, we can then ensure that the buyers have real-time visibility so that they can pull the inventory from a nearby warehouse and they don't have to carry it on their books. The seller, on the other hand, winds up going with to a DSO, a day sales outstanding of zero, literally zero. So as soon as that inventory is purchased, then we purchase, or as soon as that inventory is produced, we purchase the inventory from them and they wind up with dramatically reduced risk um, in their system as well. So uh, kind of as an example, to make this a little bit more real, let's say that you have uh, uh, a manufacturer of aircraft engines. Well, obviously that's a very expensive item that they don't want to carry uh, any of their finished goods in their inventory if they can avoid it. So on the other hand, they can take that inventory, they can sell it to AFS Logistics against a guaranteed purchase order for the aircraft manufacturer who's going to use that engine either in production or in an aircraft on ground scenario, we'll carry that inventory on our books. We will put that in play as soon as that engine is needed by putting it into a warehouse close to the point of consumption, whether it's actually an aircraft, an, an airport in the case of an aircraft on ground or a production facility, if it's in manufacturing. And we enable all this with MP, MP objects supply chain orchestration technology. So there's never any doubt as to where the engines are, who owns them, or whether or not they'll be ready at the point of installation. And again, using that 4PL approach where we're not trying to leverage our assets in every situation. We're not trying to leverage our warehouses in every situation. We're trying to control the actual origin and destination through the night, through the combination of everybody else's resources to give us kind of that ultimate playbook relative to being flexible and I'll enable the, the consumption, the production to match up perfectly. 
Yeah, not to, you know, it's very interesting. I mean, I think this is a, you know, we always talk about the uh, historically for the need to collaborate and find, uh, you know, win, 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 uh, you know, uh, uh, opportunities, right? Um, and, and this sounds like a, you know, a great example there where, where there's benefits to all the parties that, that are involved, right? Yourselves as the, as the orchestrator of this, if you will, but there's a supplier and the buyer, you know, as well, in terms of what, what metrics are important to them in terms of from a financial, you know, standpoint, um, you know, in particular, you know, so it's kind of aligning, you know, what's important to all the parties and then putting together in place, um, you know, the processes and, and the technology, you know, to, you know, to help en- enable that, um, you know, so, so Martin, going, going back to you, I mean, I, you know, I, I think that's a great example of how, you know, the, the technology you offer kind of is being implemented in, in, uh, in a real world scenario to, to drive some of the supply assurance and, and create value for, for multiple stakeholders. I mean, so, so what's next from a, from a technology standpoint? I mean, what, will, what capabilities beyond what's there today will drive the next level of, of innovation? Yeah. yeah, first of all, I would like to mention that uh, with the uh, partnership, we are already you know, uh, frontliners in, in, in this world and, and, and driving the innovation. It's truly amazing how uh, the, the triangle of inventory and orders and, and transportation is being dealt with in the solution that Tom just managed where all these uh, decision factors are taken into account to, uh, to relieve basically the, uh, the buyer and the seller from, from the burden of inventory. Uh, and, and just to use the just-in-time principles also over longer global networks and, and to reduce lead times uh, to, let's say, granular visibility and also actionable uh, control to, uh, to, to condense basically the supply chain and create the benefits for all the parties involved here. Uh, beyond that, we, we see, let's say, more planning and execution convergence where that in the past was like a different world that like execution execution transactional systems and planning systems doing a kind of periodic job uh, we see the we see the convergence happening we labeled this uh, the, the triple i planning it should be integral over multiple echelons multiple processes multiple parties it should be intelligent uh, using smart algorithms and it also should work instantly so not just like monthly or weekly but actually by the hour or in the second, in the moment, basically. Yeah? Um, beyond that, um, the, the, the other things which come up is like more advanced integration, so community integration. Think of uh, web services, APIs, which make the interactions more real-time as, as an enabler to, uh, to get out more. Um, that's not a technology which can be supported by, by anybody, in particular the smaller players. You also want to, uh, to uh, enable them to become part of the game. So mobile apps uh, and Internet of Things, so, so direct communication to actors in the field is also important to, uh, to complete the game. On, on the planning side, uh, technology side, we use more advanced algorithms, artificial intelligence, so uh, multi-decision uh, optimization uh, uh, functions with uh, complex constraints to, uh, to get out more than the human brain can comprehend. And on top of that, obviously, the machine learning and even deep learning, where you uh, learn from experience and let the machine basically learn from experience automatically to improve the, uh, the algorithms. And finally, what I also see is that the uh, optimization is not being done solely against customer service and, and, and cost. We also these days have uh, added uh, the, the word impact to the equation which means like uh, maybe non-monetary impact. So think of uh, carbon footprint, greenhouse gases, ESG impact. And those can be, uh, can be uh, figured into the overall uh, outcome and can be used to, uh, in hindsight, basically measure what uh, was the impact, but also can be used upfront 
to make uh, deliberate choices or, or let the customer choose what, what options are available with different, let's say, um, uh, sustainability impacts, uh, but also to, uh, to go automatically for lowest uh, sustainability impact, if that might be like a consideration. Yeah, a lot of, again, a lot of great, a lot of great points. I like the, um, when you talked about the three eyes, I like the uh, integrated uh, part of it. You know, one of the things that we've, in some of the research that we've done, you know, when we've asked companies, you know, what's been kind of one of the biggest hurdles or constraints to becoming more resilient, to becoming, be doing some of these, uh, you know, things that we've been talking about, you know, near the top of the list, and in many cases, the top of the list is, you know, we lack cross-functional optimization capabilities, right? So, you know, this 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 problem that that has historically uh, companies have wrestled with, which is, you know, operating in silos, right? And not only operating in silos within their own enterprise, but then also operating in silos, even across their, their business partners. So I think one of the things that they're looking for from a technology standpoint that, that they're lacking that said, hey, you know, we don't have the capability to optimize across you know, our different functional, you know, whether it's transportation management, warehouse management, supply chain planning, so forth, right? So kind of having that layer of technology, of optimization technology that really spans across the different functional processes and trading partners, I think is, is what's going to open the door to the next wave of, of business process, uh, you know, innovation and, and uh, you know, business benefits there. And I think the other part that you brought up that I think is important is, you know, br bringing in that long tail of, of trading partners, suppliers, carriers, logistics service providers, and, and, and the like, you know, with web services and APIs and mobile technologies and, and all these things, I think that's going to be something that's going to continue to be more and more important, uh, you know, moving moving forward. One more thing which comes to mind, just to complete the story, in traditional uh, platforms or, or systems landscapes, you see that uh, you have transaction systems and analytic systems or, or data warehouses or BI tools. We, also, we see also the merger of those. So what we have done, we have invested a lot to have analytics right away on the transactions and from the analytics basically right away, be able to uh, to improve on the detailed transactions from the aggregate level to the individual transaction level. Uh, because data lakes, which are kind of offline, do not provide the potential to really, you know, uh, intercept uh, exceptions and, and, and uh, optimize in the moment. Right. So it goes back to that other that other eye that you talked about, which is the, the instantaneous, right? Uh, you know, aspect of it. So, so that's obviously a key, a key enabler there. Um, so as a way to wrap up then, um, and Tom, I'll start with you and then Martin, you can, uh, you know, provide your thoughts. I mean, Tom, I mean, what advice would you give to, you know, other companies that are just getting started kind of rethinking their approach to inventory management, transportation management, and, and these other aspects of, you know, that make up supply assurance. I mean, how should they get started? Any, any mistakes that they should avoid? Yeah, I would say there's really three things. Uh, you know, first, don't assume that the old models are the only models. You know, VMI was great in 1980 when Michael Dell perfected it. It was a different world. It was a different supplier and, and buyer balance. Um, so those are not the only models that exist. Um, secondly, I would say don't assume that, that the models are free somebody will bear a cost of that inventory somewhere in the system. Um, the goal really should be to make sure that the costs are transparent and that they're fair. And then last, I would say, don't do it alone. Um, there are trained professionals who operate state-of-the-art systems like an MP Objects with the best financial backers in the world um, who have lower cost of capital and can help you do this. And, you know, trying to do this, you know, the way that you read it in the 
supply chain management book, you know, in undergrad in the nineties is probably not going to be the way that gets it done anymore. You know, that's a great point that your last point there kind of reminds me of a, of a question I always used to ask um, my executive MBA students when I taught back, back in the day. And I would say, you know, what do you think the shelf life of a supply chain textbook is, you know, these days? And I think the consensus was maybe about two years. Um, you know, there's certainly some fundamentals of supply chain that never change and are always going to be true, but you know, the, the reality is that, you know, this is such a dynamic, highly changing environment on the technology front, the regulations front, the economic front, so many different areas that, you know, you do to your point, you know, um, you know, relying on old playbooks uh, may not be the wisest thing or may no longer be valid. You know, the, the, you have to continuously innovate and, and find ways to uh, collaborate with partners uh, as, you know, whether it's logistics partners or, and technology partners that can, uh, you know, help you achieve your, your objectives there. Uh, Martin, any, anything to add there? Yeah, so our advice is that you should act upon, let's say, uh, authentic anxiety, like the recognition that it cannot continue as longer as you have worked so far. Yeah, and from that basically uh, drive uh, drive change, and change comes in the form of uh, investment in technology, call it supply chain digitization, but also putting the right organization in place. And and there, obviously, you need to choose what you can do yourself, or uh, you can best maybe knock on the door of. Uh, of, of the uh, the top logistics service providers like uh, AFS Logistics to uh, get things done with you basically to uh, to go faster and, and deeper uh, and, and easier. And whatever the effort you take or whatever the route you take, our advice is always like uh, start soon with simple small steps. Don't try to boil the ocean. Also make use of best practices and, and solution templates which companies like uh, AFS Logistics and MPO do have in their respective uh, areas. And, and, and with those efforts, uh, you will soon also be able to create value. So go for fast implementations, deliver every quarter. Don't think of, let's say, lengthy waterfall multi-year projects. No, uh, scope it well and, and start seeing and showing the benefits and create more appetite to go for the next iteration. And the third one uh, I want brought up on a conference which was kind of meant like a joke, but it does have some, 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 does make some sense, <laughs> it has some value, is to forget about the silos in the traditional world of, on the one hand, the inventory guys, and on the other hand, the transportation guys. Typically in logistics and supply chain, those are different worlds, different professions, and we should forget about that. I then said, and it's still, I think, valid, like, you know, inventory is transport at the speed of zero, and transportation is like inventory on the move. So forget about transportation and inventory, but think in flows. Everything is flow. And we need to make sure that the flow is optimized from start to end. And once in a while, you know, you can stop the flow, you can merge the flow, you can split the flow, but everything is flow. In order to do so, you need experts on the one hand uh, uh, supported by technology. On the other hand, also experts who really master the end-to-end the -end services, um, like in the company of, of Tom, uh, AFS Logistics. Well, a lot of great advice from, from both of you. I, I love that. I may have to borrow that. I'll give you credit, Martin, of course, but I, I love that, uh, you know, breaking down the barriers between inventory and transportation and, and thinking about it from a standpoint of, of flow. Uh, I hadn't really, I mean, it sounds obvious, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's a good way to, you know, think about it, uh, you know, m moving forward. You know, sometimes it just takes that kind of uh, just a slight change in perspective to really get the, uh, the creativity and the innovation, uh, you know, going. 
So again, both of you, thank you very much for, for making the time and uh, you know, sharing your insights and advice on, on this very uh, important and, and timely topic. So Tom, Martin, again, thank you. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Adrian. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the uh, MPA Objects website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question for Tom or Martin, uh, you can post it there. Um, and I'm sure they'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.